I love you, Sorsha. I don't love her. She kicked me in the face. I hate her. Hello there, and welcome to a new episode of the Hyperbaric Reviews. With your two hosts, two men who would never steal your baby while you were taking a pee-pee, it's Bread Roll and JT. Uh, yeah, and normally I say speak for yourself, Bread Roll, but I think, uh, yeah, I'm going to agree with that one. <laughs> <laughs> I should hope that, so. <laughs> yeah, that could get you to a whole world of shit. So, uh, what are we looking at this week, then? Oh, well, this one comes from um, my own suggestion, and um, I've been looking forward to this, mainly just because I know this is not your sort of film, and I'm interested to hear your take on it when we get there. Um, but this one is called Willow, and it's directed by Ron Howard, but it's a story by George Lucas. It stars Val Kilmer, Joanne Wally, and Warwick Davis. It came out in May 20th, 1988, runs for 126 minutes, and it had a budget of 35 million, but it came back with a box office of 137.6 million. So it made some pretty good profit, but I did read it didn't make as much as they were hoping for because it came out at the same time as Crocodile Dundee 3. And I think <laughs> um, Big came out around that sort of time as well and something else. So it sort of launched at a bad time. Oh, Crocodile Dundee 3. Fuck me. I didn't even realize they made two sequels to that film. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, last week when you suggested this, I said I thought I'd seen it, but watching it again earlier, or again, watching it earlier for this podcast, I don't think I had ever seen it. I didn't remember any of it anyway. Um, and I have to say, I had been putting this off all week watching it because I'm just <laughs> like, I'm going to fucking hate this. Um, obviously, I'll give you my thoughts at the end. But yeah, I, I literally left to the last minute to watch this film because it's <laughs> not really my thing, is it? It's not absolutely. I know you're not a fan of this. Um, but on the flip side of that, I mean, obviously, I haven't seen this for a good while. But this is one of my absolute childhood favourites. This is the first movie I remember watching that got me into like fantasy and everything. Like long before I was old enough to try and read Lord of the Rings and stuff, which I think took me about best part of a year to read when I was like ten years old or something. The first time I tried to read this fucking massive book. Um, before I got into all this, this was the movie that I remember my dad had it recorded off. Um tv once and i just used to absolutely love it i just like the um just the whole craziness of it and from there i think i've just been obsessed with sort of fantasy universes and that ever since but this is the first one i ever saw so i've been looking forward to obviously maybe squeezing this one in but i know that this is not your cup of tea whatsoever so i'm interested to see what your take's going to be as we work our way through the synopsis <laughs> yeah i mean also this is going to be a bit controversial i'm not a big warwick davis fan i think he's a bit of a knob like <laughs> I don't know. Like I know, obviously, I don't want. I don't know how to say this without being un PC. He's a, he's a little guy, but he really plays on that now, and he does all these sort of things where he's almost taking the piss out of himself, and he kind of winds me up. And obviously, this I imagine this is one of his first films. Um, see, he's bloody young in it, but I don't know. I just don't really like him. I think he's a bit of a dick. I know what you mean, like personality wise and real I've met him a couple of times actually. I've got a few signed copies of this movie in various forms um from him and I read his autobiography. Um but yeah, as a person, like, when you someone shows and everything now, he just does come across as like a bit of a bell end. Um but when I was a kid growing up, I thought I quite liked sort of him in the movies. This is his second movie because he was in Return of the Jedi, and then from there, this movie was actually written for him because when they shot the Star Wars Christmas special, which is really impossible to get hold of and that's probably for the best mm. he reprised his role as wicket and um george lucas spoke to him and his mum and said look i want to do this fantasy star movie and i want your son to be in it so it's kind of written for him so he he really um had a great start to his career like pretty much being pat on the back by george lucas and having a film written for him and he was 17 when he did this um but obviously he plays a character who's a little bit older 
which we'll discuss as we go along. Um, but yeah, fair play. I had a whole movie written for him just for being in Return of the Jedi. Oh, right, yeah. I mean, he does look really young in this. So yeah, 17 makes sense. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously... In Return of the Jedi, he played a fucking Ewok, didn't he? So he wasn't even himself, sort of thing. But, yeah, I mean, fair play. George Lucas obviously liked him. So, yeah, he got, got some work out of it, and he's still working now. But, yeah, I just think this comes across a bit arrogant, almost. I don't know. He definitely does. And I used to watch some, um, you know, I like shows like um, Pointless and The Chase, and like you do, those sort of game shows. And he does one called Tenable, but he's a nightmare of a host because, like you say, he's just become so arrogant, and he's like... It comes up a question about Harry Potter, and he goes, oh, I know who was in that movie. And it's like, yes, we all know you're in Harry Potter, you fucking idiot, shut <laughs> Yeah, do you know what, right? The only time I've ever seen that film, I was, um, I was in the waiting room for a hospital appointment up here, and um, they had that on, on like, TV while I was waiting. And, um, yeah, he popped up as, oh, for fuck's sake. But, yeah, obviously, he was in... Um, he did that thing with Ricky Gervais and that, didn't he? Where he um he sort of played on the fact he's a, he's small and all that. I don't know. Just I just don't get him anymore. No, that's fair enough. Yeah, I mean, like I say, personality-wise, I'm not a big fan of him nowadays. But back in the day, I used to be a fan. And of course, Val Kilmer, who at this point in his career, um, was almost the man, wasn't he? He was a uh, kind of like a Hollywood golden boy at that point. Obviously, his career went a bit wonky, and bless him, he's uh, has a lot of health issues lately. But um, at this point in his career, he was kind of like big action star yeah he was a bit of the man wasn't he i mean <laughs> he um he managed to get his top off in this one a couple of times as well in the east yeah yeah he definitely does it seemed to be a thing back then when we've got a kind of like a muscly guy we need to work in a um a scene where they can get their shirt <laughs> he does it a couple of times, yeah. he does yeah cool so um let's take a look at the old synopsis then and um see what jt thinks of this this is just going to be amusing for that nothing else so let's see in an unnamed fantasy world, the evil sorceress, Queen Bavmorda of Noctmar, hears of a prophecy that a child of a special rune birthmark will bring about her downfall. As a preventative measure, she imprisons all pregnant women in her domain. The foretold child is born, but her mother persuades the midwife to swuggle the baby out of the castle. Bavmorda executes the mother and sends her wolf-like Noctmar hounds after the midwife. With the hounds closing in on her, the midwife, the midwife, can't pronounce it, sets the baby adrift on grass raft in the river before succumbing to the hounds. Meanwhile, Bavmorda sends her daughter Saoirse and, um, and army-led General Kale to hunt down the baby. Sorry I tripped over my words a bit there, but that is the uh, intro to this movie. And for a kid's movie, it's pretty dark and bleak. What were your thoughts on this one? Yeah, it's pretty dark, isn't it, the way it starts? You've got that foreboding music and the title's telling you pretty much what the synopsis just said there about the child and everything. And then you get older, Bav Morda. I mean, fuck me, you've got some names to conjure with in this one, Bread Roll. You've got a few more to go yet, <laughs> so good luck with the synopsis. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, she comes in and <laughs> the woman just smuggles that baby out. Um, obviously, the baby that becomes the, the crux of the film, but she just sort of runs off of her. And then I'm like, okay, fair enough. No, no one seems to notice that she's just like taking her out. Everyone else is kicking off around her. But she just sneaks off with this bloody baby. It is weird. And like you say, a baby's just been born and it's like screaming and crying, as obviously they tend to do. And then it happens just to be perfectly quiet as the queen and all her entourage can walk in by so as not to suss. And then, like I say, she just kind of walks out of the castle. No one's sort of checking her or anything like that. <laughs> and um, yeah, here she goes. But I do like, um, again, like I did, I love 
this sort of just dark fantasy, this kind of dark medieval looks, just the aesthetics of this movie I'm a big fan of, like just how foreboding this castle looks. But it's typical cheesiness of these types of movies back in the day. It's like, we've got a bad guy. Let's make him look as bad as possible. Dark, dingy castle, lots of smoke, lots of eerie shit going on. Just make sure that we know that this is a villain. But like, it's written by George Lucas, so it's a bit like what he did with Star Wars. As soon as Darth Vader stepped onto the ship, wasn't it? We said then, like, we know straight away he's the villain and Bav Morda's the same. Yeah, exactly. Then we get this like upbeat music, and it all gets a bit happy. And there's a montage of the woman with the baby, and like, I'm not sure how she fed it or clothed it or anything because she's just sort of wandering around with this montage of this fucking baby. But she doesn't seem to be feeding it or doing anything with it. I don't really know how it survived. She also seems—I never really thought about it before—but she seems to put a fair bit of distance between herself and the castle as well, doesn't she? We see her trekking all over these fucking mountainscapes and all that sort of shit. It's like you just randomly been given a child you don't have time to prepare for this adventure or this journey you're going on but you've managed to you know trek across like the fucking countryside and quite a pace <laughs> yeah definitely and then she just chucks it in this fucking i don't know like a, some like weeds or something and she sends it off down the river i'm like okay fair enough yeah i mean that's obviously a last ditch attempt before the old knock my hounds come and eat her and everything but it just conveniently this perfectly shaped little like raft of reeds like you say just <laughs> happened to be right by the lake so, oh that's going to bear the weight of this child and just send it down the river it's like you're taking a bit of a gamble there man yeah you don't want it to be caught by bav Morda, but at the same time you don't want it to drown either no i mean yeah i suppose it's a risk it, like you say it's a last ditch attempt or whatever and those hound things look a bit shit as well don't they i'm not really sure what's going on there they just look like dogs with wigs on <laughs> exactly what they're <laughs> rottweilers with um costumes on <laughs> yeah so some distance down river a village of nelwyn which is a race of dwarfs prepares for a festival the baby is found by the children of farmer and aspiring sorcerer willow Uffgood, and his family takes her in and comes to love her at the festival a knockmar hound arrives and attacks all the cradles it finds after the nelwyn warriors kill it willow presents the baby to the village leader the high oldwyn as a possible reason for the dog's appearance. The High Oldwyn orders the baby must return to the Daikini, which is the Nelwyn's name for tall people. So Willow and a party of volunteers set out with the baby to find one. So this, again, with these fantasy movies, I mean, this is an old movie, but it's got all the cliches you'd expect now. We get that sort of dark foreboding opening. Then we go to the, you know, we meet our hero, who's just this typical, happy, in a little farming community, unassuming sort of character. Um, what did you make of the Nelwyn village? Um, <clears throat> well, yeah, it's interesting, I suppose. I mean, his, his kids find the baby, don't they? Um, Willow's kids are nearly as big as him. Um, and then he's like, oh, yeah, well, um, we can't keep it or anything. We're just going to push it downstream and forget we ever saw it. He's about to fucking just push it away, isn't he? He's like, no, we can't, we can't love this kid. It's got to go. See you later. And I'm like, fucking hell, really? Yeah. And I'm not an expert in these sort of things, but straight away they're like, oh, it's a baby. And he's like, that's a daikini baby. And it's like, surely like babies just all look like babies. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I'm not trying to be insensitive, but do dwarf and babies come out that much smaller? I don't know. I don't know how it all works or anything. But straight away he clocks it. He's like, that's a daikini. I don't want that shit in my village. Yeah, no, you're right, actually. I imagine that all babies look the same. You know, obviously dwarf and babies don't don't grow as much. But his missus, old uh, Willow's missus, well into it. And he's, she's like, yeah, we've got to keep it. And she looks like she's old enough to be his mum, his fucking wife. But she's like, oh, yeah, we're going to keep it. And um, he's like, no, we can't fucking keep it. No one's going to fall in love with it. And he's probably not into this baby at all, is he? 
He's not. No, he does change his tune throughout the movie. Spoiler alert! But I don't know what the age difference was with the actress who played um his wife or anything. Because obviously he's, as we said, he was seventeen, but he's playing the character who's obviously a bit older and everything. Um, so I don't know. If there's much of an age difference there. But then we do meet one of my favourite characters of all time. Old fucking Burgle cut comes yeah, like strutting across the fucking field. <laughs> Bollocking him, he's like, Where did you get these seeds? And he's like, Well, I've been collecting them in the forest. He's like, hey, You owe me money. And he's fucking, he's massive. I mean, for a dwarf, again, I'm not trying to sound insensitive, but he's like twice the size of Warwick Davies. Yeah, I'm sure I've seen him in a few things before. I mean, I, I couldn't remember his name. I've got him down as Bubble Butt in my notes because I couldn't remember his fucking name. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he is quite funny, isn't he? And then Willow, this random festival, he makes his fucking pig disappear, doesn't he? And then it just reappears. It's like little trick goes. I'm like, what the fuck am I watching here? This is fucking really <laughs> fucking weird. I fucking love oh it's so stupid but like the fucking words he comes out with he's like I'm gonna make this pig disappear oh I can knocking does this fucking weird shit and then flaps his little cape around and then the pig comes running out from under a fucking table yeah it does yeah and then we get the high old win or whatever he's called and he looks like fucking Gandalf but like a mini version of him <laughs> And he goes to see him, doesn't he? And then old Minnie Gandalf gives Willow some magic acorns and they obviously come into play right at the end of the film. <laughs> oh, he says that like, if you throw them at people, they're going to turn them to stone or something, doesn't he? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's, all, it's fantasy world, JT. You've got to roll with it. But <laughs> we get like, the right. village attack around then as well, don't we? Where on the, they all come, the dog comes in, it's like attacking like all the fucking cribs and everything, and then the warriors and everything come and sort of save the day. It's like, hey, look at my salmon's baby. And all that sort of <laughs> That's when he turns up at the um the sort of town council, isn't it, with the baby and everything. And you've got a fucking burgle coat who's like, oh no, if someone's got to take this baby to the crossroads, it's got to be you. And then the high old one, old mini Gandalf, as you call him, it's like, oh, um, sort of tricks him. Then he goes, oh, this party needs a leader, and that's got to be you, burgle cut. Yeah, and he's like, no, no. He doesn't want to go at first, does he? He's like, no. And then he recommends someone else go, doesn't he? And they're like, no, no, he's the high warrior. He can't go. He's got to stay here. I think he does go in the end, doesn't he? The other guy who also... Yeah, he says, we need him here to protect the village, doesn't he? And then he ends up being sent himself. And he's like, oh, fuck I mean, the other guy he tries to send looks like fucking Kevin Keegan, like a mini Kevin Keegan, the footballer. I mean, you probably don't know who he is, but fucking hell, he's got like some kind of mullet going on. No, I do actually know who that is. Um, that guy who actually played Foncar, the um, Kevin Keegan, as it were, uh, he's been in a few films. <laughs> so I've got mini Gandalf, Kevin Keegan. You realize it's an all star cast, this one. Bubble Butt as well. <laughs> Bubble Butt. <laughs> oh, dear. So there we go. They set off on their adventure, and at the crossroads, they find Mad Mardigan, a mercenary trapped in a crow's cage, who offers to take the baby in exchange for his freedom. The majority of the Nelwyn think they should give him the baby, but Willow and his friend Migosh refuses, causing the others to abandon them and go home. After meeting Mad Mardigan's old comrade Eric, to um. That's actually spelled Eric, but I think they say Eric, so apologies if I get that wrong. On his way with the army to attack Bathmorda, Willow relents and agrees to Mad Mardigan's terms. On the way home, Willow and Migosh discover that some brownies have stolen the baby and pursue them. They are captured by the brownies, but the fairy queen, Shalindria, frees them and explains the baby is Alora Dannon, the foretold princess of Tirislene. She gives Willow a magic wand and sends him to find Finn Rizal, an aging enchantress. 
So, what's yeah. your thoughts on that section? <laughs> Fucking hell. Well, there's one point where there's a baby gets sick, doesn't he? And it, it's all she, and it pukes on old Bubble Butt, whatever his fucking name is. And then they they sort of come on horses, like the other, uh, the, the fucking bad guys, and they send those wolf things out, and they don't notice Willow and his crew. They're all sort of hiding, but really shitly. They're just sort of behind trees, and no one seems to notice them. Those dogs are shit, aren't they? If they're supposed to be like hunting dogs, because these guys are literally like ten minutes ahead of them, and like you say, they just dive into some really shitty bushes that like are barely covering anything, and the dogs run by. And it's like, well, whose scent have you picked up then? If you just fucked off in the wrong direction, yeah, it's pretty poor, isn't it? And then they get to the crossroads where old fucking Val Kilmer is, or whatever his name is, and this Mad Mardigan, or whatever his fucking name is, and they don't seem to even notice him. They're there for a while, then suddenly, like, oh, there's a bloke in a cage. They suddenly start talking to him, but they've been there for a while. So, do you not notice him straight away? It's pretty obvious he's there. Yeah, they literally set up camp and spend the night, don't they? It's not until the <laughs> next morning, like Willow just there's some random noise going off. I don't know what it's supposed to be, like a banshee or something. And he backs up and then old Mad Mardigan grabs him. He's like, give me some water, peck and all that sort of shit and starts bollocking him. But I've always thought, even when I was little watching this film, I thought, well, if he wants water, he's like, give me some water. And then he pushes him away, doesn't he? It's like, well, why don't you hold him hostage and get the others to bring you the water? Why don't you release him? They've got, they're under no obligation to bring you anything, are they? You just use their shouting your head off. Yeah, exactly. And then oh, Willow and bubble but have a fucking argument it's quite cringeworthy they have this really stupid argument and then willow threatens to throw his fucking acorns at old mad mardigan doesn't he? he's like i'm gonna chuck this acorn at you it's like, this is fucking stupid <laughs> well, <it's laughs> <on his phone. laughs> oh, the, the, the baby's been really well behaved though i have to say it's not really kicking off is it considering that you know they're all kicking off and arguing with each other the baby's just sort of sat there just doing its thing being quiet the baby to be fair in a lot of cases in this movie is probably the most well-behaved baby i think i've ever seen on screen um mm. the amount of times it, well, any baby would be like screaming its fucking head off with everything that's going on one it's cold there's lots of weird noises and there's a bunch of you know people shouting at each other but it seems to take it in its stride so to speak um but obviously, like Eric's people come along after um, Burgle Car. I was going to call him Bubble, but then Burgle Car. <laughs> his crew bugger off and leave Willow and Migosh alone. And obviously, we find out like they're going to obviously trying to stop uh, stop Bav Morder. And we find out um, we meet Eric again a bit later on. But we find out that Mad Mardigan is just a bit of a lunatic, and he won't let him out of his cage either. No, I mean they try and palm the baby off, don't they? On Eric, whatever his name is. And um, he obviously knows Mad Mardigan, and he's, he's sort of saying that you know he's a bit of a dick and everything. But like they're just trying to palm this baby off onto him, and I'm like, okay, what is going on here? Yeah, I really just want anyone to take the baby, really, um, at this stage. And then, as I say, they eventually let Mad Mardigan out of his cage, and he does a little dance and takes Laura Dan in with him. And then like they're walking back through the woods, and he couldn't have had her that long because next thing you know, we've got this fucking brownie flying an eagle, and it's got the bloody baby's thing underneath it. And I know eagles are big, but it's like, could I actually pick up a baby's carry case? I don't know. Oh, those fucking brownies are annoying as well. Like, they're supposed to be funny, I think. They're like the comic relief, aren't they? But they fucking wound me up throughout this whole film. Yeah, they are fucking annoying. Um, I've never really warmed to these characters. Luckily, they're not in it a huge amount. Um, for this sort of section, they're kind of in it, but then... A little bit later on, when they reunite with Mad Mardigan, they take a bit more of a back seat, but they are fucking annoying. Yeah, and the bit where they're on that eagle thing looks fucking shit, and special effects. I know this film's quite old, <laughs> but it does look really bad. This movie, actually, um, we get to a bit later on, but it was the first movie to ever use morphing technology with its special effects. And I think it got nominated for a few awards. Again, back in the day, this was state-of-the-art, but um, 
obviously nowadays it does does definitely look a bit ropey. Yeah, it does. It hasn't really st- uh, stood the test of time, has it? No. And um, so obviously this is a section where we get the typical prophecy that you get in these fantasy movies that Laura Downing is obviously supposed to overthrow Queen Bath Mordor and all that sort of jazz. So Willow sends old Migosh off, doesn't he, back to the village and everything and decides he's going to go off and find this Finn Rizel with his, uh, his wand that's just a little kind of like twirly stick, looks like a pig's tail. <laughs> yes, a bit weird, the wand, but um, obviously comes into play a little bit later on. It does. So now, Willow sends Migosh home and continues a journey in company of the two brownies, Frangine and Rule. On the way, he re-encounters Mad Mardigan, who has disguised himself as a woman to hide from his mistress's husband, Lug. Saoirse and Kale's army arrives, but Mad Mardigan is revealed as a man um, to Lug, who starts a brawl which helps Willow and Mad Mardigan escape with Alora. Mad Mardigan seemingly reluctantly leads Willow to, li- to the lake where Rizel lives. They are captured soon thereafter, along with Rizel, who has been turned into a bush-tailed possum by Bavmorda. Willow tries to restore her, but he ends up turning her into a rook. This bit sort of carries on a little bit. So you've got him walking around with the, the brownies, haven't you? And this bit um, where he goes into the fucking tavern and finds Mad Mardigan dressed as a woman has always been a bit weird. <laughs> It's very strange, isn't it? I mean, it's almost very 2023, isn't it? Mad Mardigan, you know, <laughs> being, being a woman and whatever, identifying as whatever he wants to identify with. But that lug asks if he wants to breed. Does he not notice he's got a fucking beard? It's like, he's like properly all over him. It's like, he's obviously a fucking man. Yeah, it's fucking ridiculous. The other thing as well is like he comes in and he's like, where is he? You know, thinking his missus is cheating on him, which obviously she is. And then as soon as he sees, she's like, oh, this is my cousin Hilda. And he's like, oh, do you want to breed? And it's like, you're about to bark your wife for cheating. And now you're trying to fucking stick your knob up his uh, cousin who, you know, he'd be in for a shock if you tried. And the fact that he squeezes her tit and it turns out to be an apple and he doesn't notice. It's just a fucking thing down his top is ridiculous. It is fucking ridiculous. Then we get a chase scene, which is also pretty ridiculous. The escape chase, don't we? Which is pretty fucking stupid as well. We do. But just before that, obviously, Saoirse comes in. Um, and she obviously finds out that Mad Mardigan's a bloke because like, she's like looking for babies and stuff. And he shoves her and she's like, he takes her helmet off and he's like, oh, you're beautiful. And she's like, and you're very strong. You're no woman and pulls his fucking wig off. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Saucer is quite quite hot, actually. But, yeah, it's fucking stupid, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> the fucking chase scene, again, this is where some of the effects look a bit ropey, because you've got the two fucking brownies hanging on to this, like, <laughs> cart that's being hung. And it's quite a big, you know, an action-packed scene. Obviously, Mad Mardigan's trying to steer the horses and fight off these fucking bandits, just keep coming out of nowhere and jumping on. And you get these fucking brownies cutting the rope, and they look like they've been copied and pasted onto it. Yeah, it's pretty bad, isn't it? And this is where um, Mad Mardigan's conveniently lost his top. But then in the next scene, he's he's got some kind of fucking top back on, like a sack or something or some kind of top. But he's, uh, one minute he hasn't got it, then he's got it on again. I don't really know where he got it from. Yeah, I assume he just like, grab it off the cart or something. But again, this is another bit. They've just had this chase scene. They stop, they get off and do all this sort of stuff. And then he sort of shoes the horses. About five seconds later, more of... Bath Mourner's crew combined they just duck behind the hedge again like they did earlier on in the movie and once again these soldiers don't fucking see him and Mardi- Mad Mardigan's wearing half a fucking pink dress and a bloody <laughs> like you say a fucking I don't know a sack or something he'd stick out a little bit yeah it's fucking stupid isn't it? He, he asked the brownies to go and get him some eggs because he's hungry as well he's like go and get me some eggs he's like where the fuck are they going to get him from and how's he going to cook them we can't just eat raw eggs he's just like I'm hungry go and get me some eggs it's like alright okay pretty, pretty weird 
Plus, it would take them about a fucking week to get anywhere anyway, because they're so fucking small. And they're in the middle of this field at this point in time. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a bit random. <laughs> and then we get to um, the lake, and Mad Mardigan kind of is sort of warming a little bit to Willow. And at one point, he's fucking, he's feeding the Laura down in Blackroot, isn't he? And he's like, oh, it puts yeah. hairs on your chest. And Willow's <laughs> just like, she's not going to want a fucking hairy chest. Well, he doesn't swear, but he's, that's fucking going. Yeah, yeah. And then um, he starts calling the baby Sticks, doesn't he? Willow's like, it's not called Sticks, it's called a fucking, I don't know what it's called, no, Laura, whatever it's called. He's like, but he's calling it Sticks for some reason. Yeah. And obviously they get to the lake and um, that's when they part ways, isn't it? And you can see that kind of, Mad Mardigan's got a bit of a soft spot for him, but he wanders off anyway on his own. And then they go across the lake and finds the fucking possum that's actually, um, what's her name? I've got a name now, Finn Rizel. Yeah, yeah, she's, um, yeah, some kind of fucking rat-like thing. Well, yeah, possum, as it says there. But, uh, yeah, and then Man Mardigan's got no top on again. It's, it's suddenly gone again. It's like, <laughs> one minute you had one on, then you didn't, now you did, now you haven't again. So like, what the fuck is going on here? It's just an excuse. Yeah, must be. I mean, he's in pretty good shape, to be fair, Jim old Val back in these days, but he's been captured by Saoirse and her uh, crew now, so they take them all off, and um, we get a sort of montage now, then walking again for fucking miles, and again, it's just... Another fantasy trope, but they seem to cover a lot of ground. And the next thing we know, they're in a camp in the fucking snowy mountains. Yeah, yeah. Like you say, it is kind of a thing in these fantasy films, isn't it? They just walk for bloody miles and you wonder how they fucking get anywhere. So now, Frangine accidentally doses Mad Mardigan with love potion. Mad Mardigan declares undying love for Saoirse, but she is sceptical. Willow's party flees, finding Eric and the remnants of the army after Bath Morden's defeated them when the Noctmar army pursues. Mad Mardigan takes Saoirse hostage and they flee once more. However, Saoirse escapes. Willow's party arrives at Tirasleen, only to find it cursed and overrun with trolls. Kale's army arrives and Mad Mardigan and Willow attempt to fend them off. Willow accidentally turns a troll into a two-headed Everisk, um, which is basically just a Hydra, monster with the wand. And in the chaos ensues, Kale kidnaps Alora. Saoirse, realising she has fallen in love with Mad Mardigan, defects to his side. Eric's army arrives, but Kale, carrying Alora on horseback, rides through them and makes his way to Nokmar Castle. Bavmorda orders preparation of the ritual to banish Alora from the world forever. This bit in the camp, they sort of cut over a bit there about him doing the fucking transformation stuff but the fucking love potion bit is so stupid but it's so fucking funny at the same time because he's like supposed to be sneaking into her tent um and fucking stealing the baby then he starts singing all these fucking poetry songs at her it is quite funny isn't it i mean to be fair like he's only known it for 10 minutes and obviously he's got the love potion but she's quite beautiful but he's like oh i love you and she's like okay whatever but the whole fucking thing as well when um oh that bloody monster thing the two-headed monster is so fucking shit it looks dreadful (laughs) (laughs) the fucking troll was the worst one it's just some guy in a fucking stupid suit like prancing around (laughs) stupid noise but then um yeah like i say it turns into the fucking dragon in that and it just again it looks really superimposed um again state of the art back in the day but the fucking it's such a classic trait isn't it with george lucas movies because all these soldiers come in they eventually break down into the um into the castle and this thing comes out of the water and mad mardigan's in front waving his sword around they all kind of back away scared and then he turns around and sees it and sort of runs off it's a bit of a han solo moment yeah it's a little bit but the bit as well when he's in saucer's tent and he's saying oh i love you and all that did he just sort of 
gets his sword out and just slices his way out of the tent, doesn't he? He just sort of <laughs> rips his way out and he just sort of pops out. It's like, what the fuck? Yeah. She doesn't take much persuasion, really, considering she's but like the daughter of this really badass evil queen. And I do, like the Sorcia character, I've always really liked. I like the style, like with the black armour and she's got this massive, like, serrated sword and everything. She's a really badass-looking um, villain, really, even though she doesn't stay a villain for long. She kind of, like, gives in to him fairly quickly, doesn't it? It's like, okay, I've seen your tits for a few, a few times, Mad Mardigan, and now I'm going to fall in love with you. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Doesn't take a lot of persuading. And then we get some fucking stupid thing where they go down this cliff on a sled, don't we? Like, <laughs> it's like, and the fucking baby. I mean, how many lives does that baby have? Like, surely it would have died by now. It's like bouncing around on this fucking sled and they've been, oh, I don't know, it's fucking stupid. I don't even want to say... <laughs> No, no prizes for guessing what John JT's uh, great <laughs> for this at the end, but we'll keep going. <laughs> that bit when they're going down the fucking snow, there's two bits here that are just so ridiculous. Well, the whole thing's ridiculous, but there's a bit where Mad Mardigan falls off and he starts rolling, and then like, in the next scene, he's turned into like a giant fucking snowball coming down there. <laughs> killed him with that. And then there's a bit where you sort of see Willow, he's going down the hill into this village and he just happens to go perfectly through the fucking door somehow. Yeah. But you can just a mannequin on a fucking tray flapping around as fucking <laughs> uh, Oh, that's pretty bad. Isn't it? And then Mad Mardigan and Saucy have a bit of a fight, and she just fucked off, didn't she? Yeah, because he sort of like kidnaps her for a little bit and rides off. And I don't get like like the fucking bad mordor soldiers are so shit. They're worse than stormtroopers because at first he's got like a knife to Saucy's throat, and he's like, "Oh, weapons down, and she's dead." So they obviously agree, and they ride off, but. The whole fucking force would follow them. They wouldn't just be like, all oh, right, you've got to, we'll just leave her to it then. This is like the princess of your fucking evil empire. You're not just going to let her get fucking kidnapped, are you? Yeah, I've got that here. Yeah, they just bugger off, don't they? It's like, yeah, weapons down, she's dead. And they're like, all right, bye. And they just go. It's like, oh, that's pretty easy. Yeah. And I do like, again, just because I love the aesthetics of dark fantasy worlds and everything, all the castles and everything just look great. And Cheesiness aside for this movie, I do like the fucking outfits and stuff. Like General Kale, he's got this big fucking skull on his. I don't know what the, it's supposed to be a skull of. It looks like a monkey or something, but some giant fucking skull for a helmet. I just think he looks quite imposing, and it's all the castles and the scenery look great. Yeah, that skull mask thing is quite cool, isn't it? At one point, I think it's in the battle at the end, it sort of gets chopped off, doesn't it? A little bit, and that does look pretty cool. Yeah, and the um the battle in um Tiras Lean, I think is pretty good i mean you got that fucking two-headed dragon thing that does look pretty ropey now but again it's that typical heroic thing isn't it so it's only mad marnigan pretty much doing any work but he's managing to fend off pretty much an entire army so once again how fucking shit are these troops is like one guy and they keep saying oh he's the greatest swordsman that ever lived but i'm still fairly sure that numbers would play a part and he'd get defeated oh you'd think so wouldn't you like you say there's fucking loads of them but he manages to sort them all out so yeah he's pretty good and another bit here that I've always kind of considered, I don't know if um, you thought of saying you've probably given up by this point, but Kale comes in and he like he gets a law and he like rides off and manages to fight his way through Eric's army and fuck off basically. And then like by this point, Saoirse's turned on her men um, and is now with Mad Mardigan. And Willow comes out and he's like, oh, they've taken a law and he collapses and all that stuff. And they run over to him and he looks up and he just seems to perfectly accept that Saoirse's now on their side. You wouldn't have thought, like, even in all the heat and all the emotion that everyone has just gone, he'd be like, what the fuck, this is your fault or something. He's just like, oh, she's apparently on our side now. <laughs> to be fair, I, I, yeah, I had pretty much given up by that point. So. <laughs> but, <laughs> I'll, I'll take that from you. Fair enough. 
Right, so let's see how this one kind of wraps its way up then. So, Willow's party and Eric's army arrive at Knockmar Castle. Bavmorda casts a spell and turns them all into pigs. Willow, having used the wand to protect himself, finally restores Rizel to her human form. She breaks Bavmorda's spell over the, over the army and they trick their way into the castle. Kale slays, slays Eric, but Mad Mardigan avenges him as Willow, Sorsha and Rizel confront Bavmorda in the ritual chamber. After a grueling fight, Bavmorda incapacitates Rizel and Sorsha. Willow uses a sleight of hand trick on Bavmorda into thinking he has made Alora disappear. Bavmorda, unnerved, moves to attack him, but in doing so, she accidentally completes the ritual and banishes herself. And during the celebrations, all is restored at Tira's lean. Willow is gifted a spell book by Rizel, leaving Alora in the care of Mad Mardigan and Sorsha. And Willow returns home to his village and family in triumph. So before we get to the happy ending, we have obviously the obligatory end battle, so to speak. And um, I actually, got, I've got a really massive soft spot for these practical effects that have come out here. When Bath Morda turns them all into pigs, I think it looks fucking brilliant. It doesn't look too bad, I have to say. Yeah, it's not, not too bad at all. You get some practical effects, like you say, and you see their hands sort of turn into hooves, whatever pigs have to their hooves. I don't know what they fucking have, but yeah, no, I, I thought that looked okay. Um, I mean, shit's kicking off as well and fucking Willow's running about and he's got the baby just like, and it's how that baby survived, I have no idea. It's fucking being thrown around and it's just somehow it manages to survive. Yeah. I think um, the set where they have um, Knockmar Castle, that stretch of um, land that they filmed it on I believe I could be wrong, but I've got a feeling that's the same stretch of um, sort of beachhead that they filmed the Normandy landing for Saving Private Ryan and also um, lots of Prometheus as well. It's quite a known location for those sort of shots. Oh, okay. I mean, I will say the fight scenes, they do look really staged though. Like it's so choreographed. Some of the, the sort of fights I thought were really bad. And you get Raziel, she, she's like a goat at one point, isn't she? So <laughs> massive respect there. I was like, yes, yeah, it's a goat in the film. I'll, I'll dig that. Yeah, she is. It's a shame they didn't mention that. I should have called that out in the previous scene that she's running around <laughs> as a goat. And um, I think pig's feet are called trotters. Um, oh, yeah, not necessarily right, yeah. Hoover, But yeah, they're certainly waving lots of fucking... And he manages around the pig stuff and get them all into this little tent pretty quick, doesn't he? So he transforms um, Rizelle into, into a sort of womanly form and she's an old woman now. And she's like, oh, bring them in and I'll turn them back. Then he sort of just manages to round up all these fucking pigs that surely would have just wandered off by now. <laughs> trotters you're right i don't know where i got who's from for pigs but yeah yeah you're right um i mean doesn't he turn into an ostrich as well at one point as well when he's trying to change her into like a human form um but yeah um there's always a ritual in these sort of films as well isn't there in these fantasy films always has to be a fucking ritual yeah i mean i'm not sure where that comes into it really i mean like you say it's always a ritual but surely it's like not that I want, obviously, such things to happen, but it's like, I need this baby, it's going to grow up and destroy me, so why don't you just kill the baby naturally, you know, just, I don't know, do something with it, you don't have to do this whole fucking elaborate scheme. It's worse than a Bond villain, isn't it? They have these big elaborate schemes, and if you just get the job done, instead of farting about, you'd probably win, but she's taking all fucking night to do this hocus-pocus bollocks. Yeah, yeah, it's always the same in these films, though. Like, there always has to be some kind of fucking ritual. But, and then when um, Brazil, whatever her name is, does get turned to human, like, obviously, she's been many different animal forms. And then 
she's pretty coherent straight away, isn't she? She's like, right, we need to go and sort fucking shit out. Like, she's like pretty much on the ball straight away. I think she might be a little bit confused with things, but she seems to know her stuff straight away. Well, exactly. I mean, if, you know, all these animals and everything. She spent the last however many years being able to reach down and lick her own ass and everything. It's going to be a bit <laughs> of a culture shock going back to being bipedal, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I mean, there's some really bad effects as well in this final battle when Bav Morda, like sets herself on fire, whatever she does is pretty fucking bad. Yeah, and the fucking, like the lightning that's coming out of some of the wands and everything just looks like really kind of, like, again, like fucking copy and paste it on. And you say in there, some of the um the fights that really choreographed, I think they do, but the one part of this battle that I do like is obviously the heroic part. Um, the fight between Kale and Mad Mardigan, I think, looks pretty good. And it's quite brutal, again, for a PG movie. I know PG movies were a bit more full-on back in the day. But when, after obviously, Eric dies, Mad Mardigan sort of charges in and they're fighting up on the ramparts and he, like, fucking smashes his helmet, like you said earlier, cuts him a bit. And then he's, like, punching each other. And he, like, pulls him down onto this fucking sword. It's actually quite a brutal kind of fight between those two. Yeah, it is. <clears throat> for a PG, it's probably about as much as they could get away with. Um I was a little bit, not sad when Eric, whatever you want to call him, died, but I was, wasn't really expecting him to die, but obviously he croaks it. And then Willow's being attacked by some kind of crazy fucking, I don't know, it's like a dustbin <laughs> gone wrong. It's like Dusty Bin fucking attacking him. I'm like, what is that? <laughs> that looks shit. That's like some out of fucking Ghostbusters, that is. Those sort of, <laughs> it's bad. It's dreadful. <laughs> fucking stop motion gone wrong. Just sort of, and I don't even, I've never known what this thing's supposed to be. Like I say, is it a dustbin? Is it a fucking frying <laughs> legs i have no idea but whatever it is comes alive and starts fucking chasing him yeah it's weird and then he chucks his magic acorn but it doesn't really work so then he does a spell the baby disappears and then bad Mordy just sort of fucks off and it looks like something out of candy crush like the way she sort of disappears i'm like what the fuck yeah it is there's part of this bit as well i mean i'm gonna defend it a little bit yeah all the effects going on around it look shit but the bit where she's actually dying and her foot like flashes and it's like you see the skull underneath that sort of Darth Vader type thing at the end of Return of the Jedi, that bit looks really cool. But I think the other effects look even worse because that bit looks brilliant, but all the shit that's going on and buzzing around her makes it look even worse. Yeah, it does look pretty bad. And I'm not sure that um, Mad Mardigan and Saoirse are the right people to look after the baby at the end of the day, but you know, hey ho. Well, these fantasy movies, people just manage to fall in love and they seem to be the perfect couple straight away, don't they? And it's like, you've known each other for five minutes and she was trying to kill you about half the movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, you know, <laughs> shit happens. Absolutely. And then obviously we get the obligatory happy ending where suddenly this castle that's all in decay is now at a lick of pain overnight and looks fucking <laughs> beautiful and decent. And um, these sources all kind of like wearing this big white gown and now looking like a good guy, um, obviously like a... Disney princess almost, and Mad Mardigan's washed his hair, and everything just looks like it's um perfect, but in real life, that'd probably take out fucking years to achieve restoring that castle. You would think so, wouldn't you? But yeah, it's obviously happy days, and it all happened overnight, but you know, these these things happen in these films. Yeah. And then I think the movie ends as well, once again. Willow gets back to his village, and he throws something in the air, and it turns into a bird, and it fucking shits on Burglecut's head. <laughs> it does, yeah. It's quite a funny ending, actually. So that is our review of Willow. Now, before we get to the spoiler, non-spoiler review from uh, JT there, I get to go first with this one as I pick the movie. So uh, let's see where we go with this one. And so, um, yeah, this movie, as I said at the start, is one of my absolute childhood favourites. I fucking love this movie because it got me into fantasy, which is a genre that I still obsess over today. I love fantasy universes, like Lord of the Rings and everything. 
it's really my jam um this movie is essentially terrible but at the same time it's fucking awesome and i really love it despite how fucking cheesy it is and how fucking weird it is and how badly it's aged in places and i'm fully aware i watch this with huge nostalgia goggles because again it's a childhood favorite and i'm still remembering like how amazing i thought this was when i was like six or seven or however old, first time i watched it um yeah warwick davies is a bit of a plonker in real life but i used to be like a little hero of mine no pun intended um when i was a kid um i loved him in this and val kilmer i've never been a huge fan of but i quite like mad Mardigan. Sorcerer, I think, is a great kind of villain slash hero. And you mentioned last week that, um, oh, what's the name? Is it Sally Field, who was in uh, Smokey and the Bandit? Band, like, yeah. She was um, probably your first crush. I can tell you for a stone cold fact that back when I was a little mini role, before I knew the um, the joys and terrors of women, I used to really fancy Sorsha when I was a kid. Um, but again, that comes partially with all the uh, aesthetics of her character as well. Um this movie is massively cliche. If you've seen one of these types of movies, you probably see them all. You've got the evil villain, the unsuspecting hero, the impossible adventure, the ridiculous sidekick and everything in between. And it's been done a thousand times before, but this is one of the originals that I first saw. So therefore it's one of my favorites. And I am going to have to give this movie probably four adders, I think, because I just love it to bits, even though it's shit. It's the kind of shit I like and, at the same time, I think it's brilliant. So uh, four others from me, JT. What about yourself? Oh, good stuff, Fred Roll. <clears throat> yeah, um, <laughs> before I go any further, yeah, I mean, you saying Saoirse was a bit of a childhood crush of yours. I thought she was pretty hot in this film, and I'm obviously not a child anymore, but that's a by the by. Um, right. <clears throat> this is one of the worst films I've ever fucking seen, Fred Roll. <laughs> Seriously, you properly stitched me up with this one. <laughs> Fuck me. <laughs> I watched it earlier and I couldn't wait for it to end. It's two hours fucking long and it's two hours too much. Oh, Jesus Christ. I've been putting this off all week because I knew I wouldn't like it and I was fucking right. Jesus. Um, I thought I'd seen it before, but I don't think I had. I didn't remember any of it if I had anyway. Maybe I just blanked it out. I hated every fucking minute of it. Every character was annoying. Warwick Davis is fucking... His acting is fucking dreadful. I know he's only young in this, but it's terrible. Um, I just couldn't wait for it to end. I was so out of my comfort zone. Um, it's just... I, I, the words cannot describe how much I did not enjoy this. Um, I'm not even going to go any further. It's getting one other from me, and that's generous. <laughs> it's fucking dreadful bread roll. Maybe if I'd have seen it as a kid, I might have had some nostalgia like you did. But fuck, you know, I hated it. No, one other. I'm sorry. It's awful. Thanks for that. <laughs> Well, you're perfectly welcome. Fucking, I mean, I thought you were going to give it no others because when I first suggested this, I thought there's a possibility he may get some comedy enjoyment out of it. But I had a feeling you might hate it. But you don't like these sort of films anyway. But no. there we go. <laughs> no, I, I don't even know. One others probably being generous. I, I really, when I saw it, it was two hours long, I was like, oh my god, no, just it just wasn't for me. But I'm glad I watched it because it's funny. But Jesus Christ, you will properly stitch me up this week. <laughs> there you go that is our review of willow um let us know your thoughts on this particular film um is it a favorite of yours or are you more in jt's wheelhouse um get in touch at the hyperbaric goats on twitter and join us next week as we are reviewing well i'm sure jt will reveal all in a minute and i imagine he's going to stitch me up after me putting him through this one so what we do <laughs> 
Well, I'm not actually going to stitch you up. I don't think I am. I mean, it's something we've both been talking about, and um, I've, I've now got the Blu-ray off my old man when I went down a couple of weeks back. So I thought we'd do Last Night in Soho, bring it up sort of more up to date with a film that came out last year. So um, I believe you have access to that. So that's what I'm putting forward for next week. Oh, very good. Yeah, no, I've been meaning to actually sit and watch that. I do have access to it on the old Sky movie. So, um, yeah, fantastic, which stars um, Anya Taylor-Joy, who we reviewed very recently in The Menu. If you haven't heard that one, uh, go back and uh, give it a listen. Um, So, yeah, that's coming to you next week. Indeed, yeah. And like I say, it's been on our list for a while. And, um, yeah, I've got the Blu-ray, so I thought, let's let's do that. So, yeah, it's a bit of, not a joint decision, because I'm picking it, but we have both said we're going to do it. So, um, yeah, I've seen it already. You haven't seen it yet. So I'll be interested to see what you think of it, because it's definitely a... I think it's a bit of a polarising movie. I won't give too much away what I think of it, but it's not really what I thought it was going to be. So it'd be interesting. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, I did start watching it once, but I just it was that sort of evening where I just wasn't in the mood for a movie, so I only turned it off after the first 10 minutes. So, um, yeah, I look forward to that one. So, um, yeah, there we go. Last Night in Soho will be next week's episode. Um, as I say, it is available on Sky Movies or Now TV if you have that, if you wanted to watch it ahead of time. And um, as also, we tend to, as you noticed, our regular listeners, we're now alternating and choosing a movie each and sometimes stitching each other up, maybe not intentionally. But if you think there's any movies out there that we should review or take a look at, let us know again on the Hyperbaric Ghost on Twitter and we'll add them to our list and one of us will call it out at some point. But anything that gets recommended to us, we do endeavour to try and review as a uh, kind of a matter of priority more than anything else. So, um, yeah, let us know if there's any movies you think we should take a crack at. Indeed, yeah. Always up for suggestions, something we may not have seen or something, you know, we might have seen and might have forgotten about. So, yeah, definitely up for that. Absolutely. And try and keep it under two hours because I'm too late to watch too many long movies now and JT hates them. So I'm too old for that shit. <laughs> In no fantasy stuff, please. <laughs> yeah. We're never going to re- uh, review Lord of the Rings, so <laughs> just forget that one. I've seen them once and that was enough. That's all I'll say about them. <laughs> well, there we go. So to all our listeners, thank you very much for joining us. And this is Bread Roll signing off. And for me, JT, I've just got one last thing to say. Out of the way, peck.